so glad that you joined us for worship this morning, that you could be here. I beat the snow in, and I think Jim said he brought it with him, so you can thank him for that uh, this morning. So we're back in the, in the throes of winter. Who knows what's, what's going on? Um, but I'm glad that you all made it in and that we can enjoy time of worship here together this morning. Uh, there's a lot going on this week. We're getting ready to begin Lent. Uh, we have a uh, Shrove Tuesday or Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras celebration on, you guessed it, Tuesday. Uh, we'll be uh, meeting in the fellowship hall. There'll be lots of pancakes, and all you can eat all the things that you think you're going to give up during Lent. Um, and then on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, we will have our Ash Wednesday service uh, in here this week. As we uh, move into the season of Lent, I hope you all can join us for those uh, occasions this week. Um, yesterday, uh, Jake and I were uh, sitting in the front room. We both had our computers out and we were working. And one thing that I have learned from years of, of, uh, of software development and web development now is that uh, there's times when you just got to get up and walk around. You got to get away from the screen. And so I, uh, I stood up trying to shake out of my funk and uh, I looked out the front window and there was our beautiful dogwood tree uh, that sits there and uh, it's not blooming yet but it's still gorgeous even with no leaves on it. I said Jake come up here and let's contemplate this tree together. <laughs> Jake responded as any normal human being would respond and said what? <laughs> and then yeah, sorry, Jake. I didn't tell him what he said. And so then, uh, after that, I said, come, contemplate this tree. And he again responded, as any normal human being would respond, and said, no. Um, and then, I, in my effort to coax him to contemplate the tree, I started talking about it. Um, you know, look, there's the branches I cut off trying to keep out of our gutter, but I think this tree still loves me anyway, you know? And look at this, and look at that, and Look, you realize just in a little bit, this tree is going to start sprouting these beautiful buds. It's going to be white and uh, these, these beautiful, um, you know, red bits in the middle. And, and, uh, and Jake kind of looks up at it and says, and there's the place where I sit down and, and at the bottom of the tree in between there. You know, I love sitting there. And... We were kind of enveloped for just a moment in the beauty of this, this tree in the middle of kind of a dreary day. And uh, as we think about transfiguration today, um, it's not very long that Jesus and the disciples are up on this mountain covered in mist. There's uh, an amazing, glorious thing that happens where the veil is thinned out they see the glory of God, and yet there's this trek back down into the valley again. And so maybe there are these times in life that we can steal away, and we can back off just a little bit, where we can stand up, where we can look and acknowledge something that is beautiful, acknowledge something that is glorious, um, that's right in our midst, um, just by taking time to acknowledge it and to share the time with one another. So this morning, let's be attentive to the divine presence that is with us now. Thank you. 
As we begin, we light the candle celebrating the presence of Christ in us, among us, and beyond. Would you please stand with me to read the call to worship? <clears throat> we have walked in the valley of struggle. We have walked in a valley of sorrow. We have walked through the valley of inequity. We have walked through the valley of apathy. the peace of Christ. That's what we get. of Psalm 99 by Christine Robinson. Awaken to the awesome mystery of God, who cradles the earth and all her peoples, who planted the laws of justice and mercy in our hearts, who nurtured and nudged the saints of the ages, 
and the teachers of the people, forgiving them their faults, mistakes, addictions, and selfishness, and invited them to grow and change. Awaken to this awesome mystery. Follow it all your days. Apologize for bringing the snow this morning. I could have sworn that we had left that behind, but it followed us all the way. <clears throat> um, a couple of weeks ago, Aaron sent me uh, the text entitled for today, Steady the Path, Exodus 34:29 through 35 and 2 Corinthians 3:17 through 4:2. You are still preaching that today. Close enough. Sort of, okay. Uh, themes, of course, Transfiguration Sunday, Pilgrimage, Faith, uh, and Hope. And so I started thinking about what might fit with that. And then this week, Aaron sent a draft of the bulletin earlier in the week. And at the top was this wonderful quote from Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And I must say that I was captured by that. And so I'm sorry, Mark, but I pushed the rest of it aside. But those first two lines uh, grabbed my attention. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush of fire with God. Today, a time in which we seem to devalue the creation, when we seem to devalue part of that being human life, it's important for us to understand that God's glory is seen in everything, even the trees of winter, and particularly in God's crowning achievement, you. So this song, with apologies to Elizabeth Barrett Browning, is titled A Fire with God. is crammed with heaven's glory every life a treasured story of the wonder and the power of God's love <clears throat> every step along the pathway every long night every new day draws one closer the heart of God. Look around you, take it all in. See the narrow and the broad. Every person, every common bush afar. with God. Now your journey takes you places, unexpected destinations, joy and struggle every step of the way. 
is closer than a mother giving birth to love and joy in your heart. Look around you, take it all in. See the narrow and the broad. Every person, every common bush, a Grand with heaven's glory, every life a treasured story of the wonder and the power of God's love. Every step along the pathway, every long night, every us closer to the heart of God. Look around you, take it all in. See the narrow and the broad. Every person, every common bush afar. with God, a fire with Jim. Beautiful. As Aaron said just a moment ago, we have Ash Wednesday this week, beginning the season of Lent that helps us prepare ourselves toward Holy Week and Easter and Resurrection. And during this time, as we make our journey into Lent, we have on this Sunday a mini Easter known as Jesus' experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, a time that felt like resurrection, but still all the glory of resurrection yet to be revealed in the same way that Jesus' own resurrection gives us an indication of blessing still for us yet to be revealed. And in the story we are looking at in the lectionary today from Luke chapter 9, we notice how Jesus turns fishermen into mountain climbers. And the text says that there was eight days that occurred between what had occurred previously and this time where Jesus takes Peter and brothers James and John up to the mountain. And it reminds me, perhaps, that not only did they go up on the mountain, but there was a journey of eight days previous to the story that we read about in verse 28 and following in the 
9th chapter. Following Jesus meant rising up from the shore and venturing out, progressing and improving to new heights. So complete and impressive that neither they nor the world could ever dream such refinement was ever possible. Jesus has a keen eye for recognizing potential. Noticing in us and in our circumstances opportunities we never thought imaginable, much less doable. Common laborers will be turned into the leaders of the church. The salty speech of sea workers will translate into the blessed language of the redeemed. Outcast and transgressors will become servants and saints. But this process doesn't happen overnight. It's not automatic. It takes effort and a steady and disciplined effort with every step along the way. Like Moses, Jesus will go up onto the mountain to meet God. But unlike Moses, Jesus will not go alone. He takes others along. And not just one to be a hand-picked successor. And not everybody, but a few of the select group to lead the rest. That they may continue the work down through the centuries. If Moses could be thought of as bringing law to the people, then Jesus brings the gift of communal belonging and commitment, saying we must work together. Where two or three are gathered, Jesus said, in my name, there I am in the midst with you. We like to count numbers and glory and success from earthly definitions. But Jesus teaches the power in the small seed planted and the little fellowship gathered in three of his closest followers experiencing world transformation. And Jesus here at this point in his story is in the last stretch before his passing days of earthly ministry. And what's important to him at this moment in the story? What will Jesus prioritize at this crucial turning point in his life? To maintain a continuity with God's entire saving work from the past. Like Moses, the followers of Jesus should be concerned about doing the right thing. And like Elijah... The ministry of moral righteousness and justice is incomplete without extreme concern for the poor and the stranger, including those who are outside of the groups that you choose to associate with. It's not too surprising then for these disciples that this truth is too far from them at that moment to grasp and foreshadowing the challenge they will encounter at the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of Jesus' arrest, we find that they become overwhelmed with sleep. And they're just about ready to doze off. 
just about ready to check out from a long day of hiking and traveling and wanting to rest for just a few moments when they are awakened and shocked into attention. The face of the Lord begins to beam as bright as the shining face of the great Moses during his mountaintop adventure. And Jesus' clothing would become as radiant as Elijah's in that blazing chariot that ascended into heaven. And together, these three all-stars in the Hebrew Hall of Fame were discussing the serious business ahead for Jesus. As we learn in verses 51 and 53 of chapter 9, that Jesus is determined to set his face and to go to Jerusalem. Whatever troubles are going to be ahead, he will face them down. And these core disciples that are there with him are confronted with a Lenten question before us. How does Jesus' own transformation and the transfiguration on the mountain impact our own? What does it say for us? Mother Teresa teaches, Seek the face of God in everything, everyone, all the time, and God's hand in every happening. This is what it means to be contemplative in the world, seeking and adoring the presence of Jesus, especially in the lowly appearance of bread and in the distressing disguise of of the poor. Can you find Jesus in the places where Jesus is in disguise? In Lent and in the unfolding new year ahead for all of us, can we recognize the face of Christ when Christ appears to us? Because many Christians desire a Christ who remains up on the mountain. A Christ of elevated glory and absolute power. A Christ more content to be better than us rather than seeking to become one of us. A Christ who feels no pain, who experiences no struggle, and is above all suffering. I think that's the Christ Peter desires to worship. When he says in response, let's build three altars here on this mountain and stay up here a while. But Jesus says no. And he leads them off the mountain and into the valley of conflicts, hostilities, and overwhelming needs. If you read this passage in Luke 9, you'll notice that they must return to a land of turbulence where children are seized with demons and those that you disagree with and perhaps don't necessarily like become more successful than you are. A place where whole towns and villages will reject what you have to say. Yes, Jesus will lead you to salvation, but it will include a path of difficulty and stress. And still, Jesus is known as one who has commanding authority. But it's also completely different. Jesus' authority will be free from what we might call authoritarian characteristics. Why do you wonder? 
how so many people today are attracted to authoritarian leaders who are actually no more than vicious tyrants. Turkey's Tayyip Erdogan, China's Xi Jinping, Russia's Vladimir Putin, the Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salman. I think he actually has a Madonna or Prince or Sting complex. Wants a shorter name. So he wants to be called MBS. Jeff, that sounds like something else to me. I don't want to come down with MBS, do you? And perhaps the most notorious and oppressive of them all, the megalomaniac despot of the hour, North Korea's Kim Jong-un. Maybe these world leaders, I hope, are like teenagers. You only hear about the bad ones. When hopefully the vast majority of world leaders could be considered good or at least far better. But don't all these men love their protected towers in the high mountains upon which they sit? They relish applause and adoration and will use raw and unrestrained power to crush all who oppose them. And of course, most disturbingly for us, living in a democracy that I believe now hangs in the balance, why do our own leaders fawn all over these de facto dictators and sing their praises? Tough question. For sincere believers and followers of Jesus, like I think we all strive to be, I wonder if we're being asked to wrestle with the question of lordship. Who has authority? Whose voice commands respect? Whose purpose and plan is the one we will follow? Have we too surrendered some of our integrity for the promises and protections of wealth? Have we reserved our loyalty wholeheartedly to the popular and the famous rather than to the insightful and the wise? Have we sought shortcuts to comfort rather than honoring and developing a demanding discipline of authentic and spiritual and emotional growth? Have we needed to pretend we are strong and have avoided honestly confessing our own vulnerabilities? Have we tried to stay busy when actually living in denial and distraction of the true troubles of the world? The journey toward Lent with Jesus leads us over rough mountains and through the narrow valleys. It guides us around scary cliffs and dark shadows. It sometimes is endured alone, but often traveled with a small select group of trusted friends who may not always get it, but will always stick together. It invites us to accept pain and not turn our heads away from the suffering. And if and when we fall, get hurt, or become rejected or feel down, and feel like no one understands us and no one's there for us, 
we are not afraid to join with a suffering servant named Jesus who abandoned his claim of all wealth and status and the fickle applause of the crowds to walk a humble and courageous path to true liberation and genuine justice and lasting peace. This Wednesday, we begin the Lenten journey and we lay out that familiar question. What are you going to give up for Lent? What now is the thing you are finally going to put aside? Maybe it's an old habit or an old wound. Maybe it's time to rid yourself of the grudge that you have nursed for far too long. Maybe you need to forgive someone else before you can experience forgiveness for yourself. Maybe you need to focus on something very direct and tangible and use the next 40 days to get rid and give away of some of the belongings that you no longer need or no longer use, or at least bring a level of organization to their storage and their use. Believe me, Marie Kondo is not a stranger in our house. If you don't know who that is, look it up. Will you respond kindly to this invitation from Jesus, who will walk with us day by day, and especially in this season dedicated to his life and teachings, leading us to set our face to Jerusalem through the sorrow and death, the difficulty of life as we see through it into the joy of resurrection, when we lay our burdens down and our griefs and our worries and our anxieties and our problems and see his face, especially recognized in the face of the lonely, the forgotten, and the vulnerable. In the blue sheet that you've been hopefully able to have with you. It's always the same insert we have in our Wednesday and our Sunday morning uh, 11 o'clock service. Uh, you'll see on the second page the calendar for Lent. And you'll notice that we're going to be using some of the insights from B'nai Brown, the gifts of imperfection. And each Sunday, beginning next Sunday and through resurrection, we're going to be talking about letting go of one thing in pursuit of finding something to put in its place. So, Next Sunday, we talk about letting go of perfectionism, the drive to feel like we've always got to be perfect, and seeking self-compassion and compassion to put in its place. And throughout this journey, you will notice an encouragement. Not only what are you going to give up for Lent, but also what are you going to pick up for Lent? What new habit, new healthy path, uh, it may be something as simple as sitting in your front yard and contemplating a yet-to-bloom dogwood tree. Something you're willing to add. I hope that God will bless our journey. Letting go of those things in our life that do not spark joy. As we come down from our mountains as we enter into the promise and true abundance of the eternal joy waiting for the disciplined and the faithful.
respond this morning with number 803, My Shepherd Will Supply My Need. while we 
take an opportunity to be still, to recognize the presence of God among us, to attend to God's spirit and to our spirits. You're welcome to contemplate the icon and the quote that's on the back of your orders of worship or the image and the quote that you'll find on the screens. You can come forward and light a candle at one of the stations to either side if you'd like to make that and symbolize your prayer to God this morning. Or simply sit and focus on your breath and contemplate the presence of God here. Before we take a few moments to do this, let's read together our call to prayer. The veil is thin here. Your glory softens edges and makes it hard to see where one stops and the other begins. Let our attentions rest in your glory, your true self unveiled, pure light and love. here with you, sink into the mystery. for your presence among us. We ask that you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us ears to hear, and that you would give us the grace to stop, to listen, and to be attentive to your presence around us. 
find you in unexpected places. That you, we would find you in the faces of those where we do not think that we will see you, God. For you are there in all of humanity, waking us up, inviting us to your love, inviting us to this great feast of abundance that you have provided. And so we ask that you would help us, God, that you would forgive us, and that you would help us to follow you on your path of justice and peace. That we would see when we need to change. That you would help us to follow you, whether it be up the mountain to the places where the, the air is thin or whether it be down into the valley where there is much work to do. things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. Thank you so much, Jim, for sharing your gift of music with us this morning as well. As we uh, go now, I invite you to stand as you're able. We're going to sing one last song together that you'll find printed in your bulletins, and I think the, the melody will be easy enough for us to pick up here together very quickly. Yeah.